when I think about it, like, I had never worked with a black person until we worked together. Welcome to Hard Candy and Fruit Snacks. I'm Gloria Harrison, a TV producer living in New York. And I'm Carrie Clifford, an actor and writer living in Los Angeles. We first met in elementary school outside Boston. When I was part of a program that bused kids from the inner city to school in the suburbs. We're going to talk about privilege and disadvantage. And about what it's like to move from one world to another without really feeling at home in either. In this podcast, we're having conversations about race. And the awkwardness that comes with learning about people from another culture. So one of the things that we've been loving is that people have been commenting and asking us questions. And, you know, we we have a Facebook page. You can go to Facebook, Hard Candy and Fruit Snacks. You can comment on the Apple Podcasts, Instagram. You know, we're out there. We love hearing what you guys have to say. And hopefully we can bring some of those questions to the podcast as well. Right. And speaking of the brave space, you know, one of the questions that was presented to us today was almost like a comment. I said, oh, this is food for thought. Uh, The person said, I think what's going on in America right now um, in terms of race relations is I think that black and white people are afraid of each other. So I was like, "Mm." Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So my question is to you is, what do you think when you hear that? Is is there some truth to it? Um, What's your opinion on that? It's so interesting because when you say that, like my gut reaction is like, no, that's not possible. That's not true. But then I think about it and I'm like, yeah, I think there's a lot of fear. And is it fear of the unknown? Like, you know, or is it a fear of a stereotype? Um, you know, like I've talked about this before, but already when when before we met, you know, it was it was conveyed to us in our little white town that these Mecca students were coming to our town and that this was like such a wonderful thing that we were doing. And it was already setting us up as being better than the Mecca students. So it already kind of made it like this fear, right? Because it was like, we don't know where you guys are coming from, what you guys are doing. Um, So it was, it wasn't fear is like, I'm afraid for my life, but it was fear because I didn't know. And then we never got to know you guys enough. You know, we didn't know about your culture. We didn't know, we didn't go to your house. We've talked about this, you know? Um, So I think that does already set up a barrier. It sets up a fear, right? Right. And, and I got to tell you, we're in this brave space. Right. So I'm going to be honest with you. When I saw that, I said what you said in the beginning. Fear, first of all, I have to disagree with that. I don't think Black people are fearful of white people. Right. I think that white people are fearful of some Black people. Mm-hmm. And I think why that is, is because what you just said, going back to when we were kids, I'll go further to our ancestors, right? We have been oppressed so long. Mm-hmm. and kept down and blocked that I think some white people are afraid of uh, the unknown, like you said, afraid of our greatness, afraid, afraid of allowing us to, to learn more. And we're held back in so many uh, areas of our lives that I think it comes from white people being afraid. Mm-hmm. But for me, there's a difference. There's afraid, that's one thing, and there's trust. Yeah. In my opinion, I think Black people do not trust some white people Mm -hmm. and why sort of like going back to when we were kids, you guys were told it was a good thing for us Mm -hmm. that 
this was set up to help us, mm-hmm. right? But what did we learn and what did I learn? And as I reflect back, that it was to help us in certain areas while holding right. us back in other areas. And what it did for, I think, some people growing up was that, you know what? I've learned to deal with white people when necessary. Right. I don't deal with them outside, but I'm not afraid of white people because I can't hold white people down. I can't oppress white people. I am the oppressed. Right, so but I'm that sure- makes me that makes me feel like, you know what? It's not about fear because I have I don't think that you are going to try to hurt me physically. I think that you have hurt me mentally and emotionally, meaning right. white people in America. So when it comes to fear, there's one thing, that is one thing, and then there's trust. Right. And I, and what were you going to say? I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say like when because you've been in situations where people have called you derogatory names. Does that cause fear? Are you fearful of those situations or are you just like, oh, yeah, I can't trust those people? You know what I mean? Like, how do you delineate between the two? Well, I've learned in terms of being called derogatory names, right? I just know that, yeah, that's not somebody I want to be around. But I didn't fear for my life, right? right? I didn't fear for my life. I'm like, you know what? You're just not somebody that I want to be in my circle. Like, I don't even want to be around you. That's different. Whereas if someone's saying, hey, um, you know, I told you about my ancestors, my grandfather and how he was beaten and how, you know, black people, I think growing up, my father, his father, my grandmother, they grew up being fearful of white people because they were what? Beaten. They would judge just because of the way they look. There was no reason for it. So they grew up saying, you know what? In that day, back in the day, they feared for that because they knew they would be beaten or killed. Right. Or hung because of the color of their skin. So right. that's where that fear comes from. And then coming all the way up to growing up in the South and moving up and trying to achieve the American dream and realizing that, wait a minute, how come I don't get the same education as my counterpart? How come right. I am being offered opportunities uh, for housing in neighborhoods that nobody wants to live in? How come I'm being passed up for uh, loans and being given higher rates when my credit is still as good as my white counterpart? Right. So that didn't make them fear. That made them not trust. Right. What, what, about that, when it, mm-hmm. what about when it comes to cops? Like, do you think that is that a trust thing or well, a fear? Well, no, or that's fear and that's proven. Why? Because yeah. you can turn on any television and watch black men being killed. That is fear. And that is, right. yes, there's, that's undeniable. And, right. and I talked about my son and I talked about being black in America and looking at police brutality. That is fear. That is right. the definition of fear. But right. trust is when we talk about systemic racism, when we talk about the way the country was built, and we're talking in our brave space right now, it's more trust, right. I think, for Black people. You've proven time and time again, uh, some white people, that we don't feel like we can trust you. Right. We can't trust you when it comes to jobs. We can't right. trust you when it comes to education. Right. You've proven that time and time again. You've held us back for so long. And I think of when you say fear, like I had chills when I, when I read the question that was presented to us. Fear comes from, like you said, the unknown. Yeah. Right? Fear comes from, 
you know, not having the opportunity to be around someone. Mm -hmm. But I, in my mind, I'm like, but black people, have we oppressed white people? What no. do you mean? I'm no. saying white people, right, right. right. So right. I'm saying, do you know what that feels like? Right. You don't. Right, 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 yeah. You know what I'm no. saying? Right. So so it, it's it's a different, <laughs> it, it just, but I understand the fear part of it, but I, I just want to convey the importance of why I see it different. When I think about it, like, I had never worked with a Black person until we worked together. Wow. And yeah. And it's not because, but but also like, you know, we were young, right? We were in like our mid-20s. And so my jobs up until then had been like, basically like in Wayland, you know, like lifeguarding and working at a cafe, whatever, things in like a white town. Or, you know, I did like summer internships. And obviously I don't know like everyone who worked at the companies that I interned at, but no, but no one in my you know, I worked at two advertising agencies, no uh, intern, intern, you know, no one in my part of the ad agency was black. I worked at for a state senator. No one there was black. Um, and but it's taken me now to like think about like that's crazy when you think about it, you know, and I. And I'm not saying that made me fearful. It's that it was that unknown thing. So then when we ended up working together, and there was two other, or maybe three other black people. But that was my first experience working with black people. Not that, the, and I'm I'm not trying to make that, that that it was a big deal, and it didn't seem like a big deal. But it's just an interesting thing to reflect on. That it's like if I wasn't, I didn't have that exposure. I didn't. So I could see why people would then be fearful because it's that unknown thing. I did not think of myself as being fearful. Also, when we ended up working together, it was like, oh, we knew each other. So I'm not going to be, you know, but that's just like a crazy thing to reflect on. Right. No, I understand. It's it's complicated. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and, you... it's, and it's shameful. Like, I, it makes me feel shame because I'm like, why, why didn't I have more exposure to people that were different from me? Why wasn't I put in situations where I could have learned about other cultures, other beliefs, um, you know, and it really was until I moved to Chicago that I had, I was kind of out of my like lily white bubble. And that was like, and it wasn't, I didn't have fear like, oh my gosh, now, I, now I'm like really <laughs> in a city. It wasn't like, I don't mean it like that, but I, but I could see how if you don't have exposure to people that are different from you, when you growing up, I could see how then it could turn into fear because you you could learn to think that your race or your group or your religion or whatever is the best. And when people um, challenge that, it could evoke fear. Right. But let me ask you this, because I kind of probably had the same experience. I don't really remember, but my internships know that I think it was more white people. So it's like reverse. Right. Yeah, so I understand right. what you were going through, but I didn't learn from that experience. I don't think to be fearful. Me so, neither. It's real. It's real. But, yes. And I understand what you're saying. Like the unknown. And yeah. Maybe fear is the wrong word. Right. But it's like, I get what you're saying though. It's like, you don't know the other person. You don't know this group of people. You right. don't. And you see things probably on the news, right? You've heard right. things. You've heard, um, 
rumors, you've heard mm -hmm. stereotypes and you've never been around it. So then you think maybe the things that you've been hearing might happen to you. Right. And I, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that I all of a sudden when I was exposed to people that looked different from me that I was all of a sudden fearful. I'm just trying to justify how having like segregated upbringings could enable you to feel that way because you're just all of a sudden being exposed to things you're not used to being exposed to. And that can evoke fear. But I'm not in any way justifying it. And I don't think that I felt that way. But I could see how that could make you fearful. And and the same when it was like when we were really young and you living in Boston, I'm sure there was fear about that too. Like you're going into the city and it and it was like you could equate that to anything. And did it mean that like there was black people so there was crime? No, but there was crime. And so I'm sure that there's like in the back of our heads this that that's kind of what we were told like that's why like in our white suburb there wasn't crime which wasn't true but that's how we were kind of brought up right so then when anything something new and different i i can see how people create these prejudices and it's totally incorrect and i but i just fault the sort of the lack of education and lack of exposure for making people think that because like because I'm trying to think, why else would you be fearful? You're fearful of something that you don't know anything about, right? Right. But I mean, I I'll tell you, when I would take the bus to Wayland yeah. and I would get off the bus, I was fine getting off the bus and going directly into the school. But I was fearful in the town, right? right. And even getting pulled over really kind of confirmed that for me that I was, I realized again, it reinforced that I was different, that mm -hmm. I was black and that I would be judged because of the way I looked. So mm -hmm. outside of going into the school and being with like a host parent, someone that was like, oh, she's with me. Right. I think I was afraid. Yeah. And I was afraid back then because I felt like something could happen to me because number one, I didn't live in the town, right? Yeah. So that's not being, uh, I don't live there. I'm not a resident. Right. Then number two, I don't look like anybody that lives there. Mm -hmm. So my fear though, back then I felt like was justified, meaning yeah. that people know, like other than me being in this school, why am I in this town? Well, and other than knowing these kids, why yeah. would I be in this town? And there's different levels of fear. Like there, I'm sure it was a very valid reason to be fearful of being judged because I'm sure you were judged. So like you were fear, you know, were you fearful of, for your life? I, I don't know. But like there's different like levels of being fear, like just being fearful isn't like I'm scared of my life, but I'm scared. And even like we've talked about with this year with Black Lives Matter, I think a lot of like my white friends and your black friends have said, like, I'm fearful of saying the wrong thing. I want to call and say I'm thinking of you, but I don't want people to think that like I'm only like there's so much fear that we've created because we have these separations and division. Right. Right. Like, yeah. No. And and like I said, for for me, when I think it comes to black people, I think the fear started all the way back to slavery. Mm -hmm. OK, coming all the way up. So that's the fear. And out of the fear, uh, we learn to not trust. Yep. Right. So we have a combination of both. Right. We're fearful based on the things that have happened historically that are right. facts and how we were treated. So we're fearful that any day because that was allowed so long ago, 
people think that they can use that. And I think it is used. And, and, and it's sad to say, I'm, I'm so grateful that I can speak to you in this way and that we understand and can listen to each other. But it, it goes back to what I was telling you before that it's intergenerational trauma mm-hmm. that has happened dating way back that believe it or not still gets brought up. And even if right. it's not talk about, talked about, it's psychological. It's watching the news, seeing people that look like you, seeing them get shot and killed, seeing it caught on video and saying, I tried so hard to heal. Mm-hmm. And yet again, the wound is being open again. I haven't even properly cleaned it and healed oh and moved on and it's being opened again. Right. And when we're not, we talked about this before, we're not supposed to talk about politics. Right. But talking about trust, I'm going to talk about politics for a little bit. The Obama administration, right? You know what I think that did for eight years? It allowed Americans to take baby steps to start to respect and open up to the idea of black achievement, of black success, of working together and understanding and learning about each other's differences. I really think during those eight years, America was on its way to becoming more tolerant of each other. Mm -hmm. And then what did we do four years ago? Right. That got wiped away. And now America's in that that spot again where we need to heal. We need to go back eight years. We need to go back 15, 20, 30, 40, over 400 years. Why? Because we had somebody that we as America, and I'm gonna say we, because whatever I did, didn't get to the finish line. So somebody else was put in office, but what they did was set back. It's not about being Republican. It's not about being Democrat. It's the evil and ugliness that came from this human being the divisiveness, uh, the fact that he incited violence. You know what I mean? And that, you talk about fear, that brought up fear that was probably suppressed. Fear that people tried to, Black Americans tried to say, you know what? I'm going to try to work together with other people because I think they finally want to work with me. Yeah. And what we did, yeah. It's almost like when you're saying that, that it's like those eight years with Obama where those of us that are more like progressive and like-minded and think that we were making all these strides and achievements. But at the same time, the people that are not interested in that and do not think that there should be, you know, black and white people being friends or whatever the things are, they're stirring their their pot, they're getting going. And then they finally are able to elect someone into the White House. It's almost like it was, because I agree, I feel like that, administration was so helpful with race relations and with just so many things. But then obviously there was such, there were people that were fearful of that. Right. Yes, And and so much so Carrie that almost 71 million Americans mm -hmm. still in the 2020 election Mm -hmm. voted for Donald Trump. Yeah. And that tells us, guess what? We can't relax. We have to keep hard candy and fruit snacks going. We have to keep talking. We have to keep talking about healing. We have to talk about forgiveness. We have to talk about moving this country forward because guess what, 2024, they're already starting. Yeah, They're coming back to try to, and it's sad. It's like, it's not to me, don't get me wrong. I don't, 
I'm not like, oh, I'm a Democrat. I can never believe views of a Republican. That's not what I'm saying, because I do believe there are things with Republican presidents that have been achieved in our country that have helped make us stronger, too. It is right. this person, though, and his ideology and what he's done, what he's done to, I mean, my children, right. their hearts were broken. I cried during this election. I said, if yeah. he is put in office again, what will America become? What have right. we become in the last four years? And I think that's exactly why you picked up the phone and called me and said, we got to talk about this. Right. We got to talk. And I do feel like just, you know, having just come out of the election, like, how is that possible that 50% of the country still think that he should be the leader? And there is, there's so much hate. And it's like, clearly, like, while we're having these brave, safe discussions or whatever, but we're just like such a microcosm because there's still so much hatred and there's 50% of the country that thinks that he's a good leader and that he should be there. And then, yes, you do have to think that, okay, those 50% of people like do not want race relations. They want like white supremacy or whatever. I mean, because that's what he stands for. But you know what they're saying though? Seriously, some of them are my friends. They're saying, Gloria, listen, it's not about that. But when it comes to my income, when it comes mm. to my business, Trump has done a lot for me and my family. And mm. I'm saying to myself, yeah, I get that. Right. But what about all the things that he hasn't done? What about right. the way in which he's divided our country? And like what you just said, they don't care about race relations in America. And that's clear to me. If you can tell me, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you guys are having the conversation. I'm so glad that you're inspiring, you know, and I, and I think we're always going to be friends. But to be honest with you, I just can't bring myself to vote Democrat. Mm. What are you saying then? Right. What right. are you saying? What do they say? Silence is compliant. We're tired of it. It's like, you know what? Then guess what? I'm not fearful of you. I don't want you in my circle because right. I've got work to do. I've got work to do for the next generation, for my right. children and your children. We've got work to do and we can't even really be happy. Right. We can be happy, but we need to keep our head on the swivel right. <laughs> and be ready right. for what's to come for 2024. Right. We can't even say, you know what? Wait, we have the first madam vice president elect. Come on. This is amazing, right? We have yeah. Joe Biden coming together, bringing two, two worlds together who couldn't right. be more opposite. And it's like, you know what? We need to be happy, but we need to keep working. But let me ask you this. You asked me about my childhood and, and what was done to me. And we talked about Waylon a little bit. Did you have any experience with a Black student or anybody Black when you were a child that maybe that could speak to why you feel the way you did, maybe in your subconscious that you don't even realize? I mean, you know, I definitely think I had experiences that could have tainted my view but they didn't and i don't know why and i'm i i am in no way trying to be like i'm an amazing person <laughs> but like um you know in high school um one I, I forget what year we were probably like freshman or sophomore year and remember we would have gym in the field house and then yeah. there was like a locker room and you I don't even remember if we had locks on the lockers, but you didn't ch you didn't like take off. I your think we had codes. I think we codes. Like pass, I don't know passwords. Yeah, but I know that. Um, so it was for gym. It was either for gym or it was for. It must have been sports. It must have been like track or something. And so I 
put my stuff in my locker, but I left my CB jacket. Remember CB jackets were the big thing. I left my (laughs) CB jacket out like on the bench or something. I didn't lock it up and it got stolen. And it ended up, it got stolen by a Metco kid. And I know this because she had the balls to wear the jacket to school. (laughs) And so I know (laughs) it was kind of dumb on her part, but I mean, I I didn't do anything. What was I going to do? Uh, I almost thought it was like punishment enough for her to see me. Like she must have known it was my jacket because again, our class was really small. It was bright turquoise. I was probably the only person with like a bright turquoise CB jacket. But so I could see that that type of experience being something the wrong person would take that and be like, oh my, all black people are thieves or something like that, right? And, but like mm-hmm. to me, I, I, it was just like, I just t- tagged that person as like a bad apple or whatever. And I must have told my parents, and I'm sure they were like, you're not gonna, what, what are you gonna do? Call the police because someone stole your jacket. You know, there wasn't really any. Did you ever wasn't... get, your, did you ever get the jacket back? No. No. Right, but but I'm saying too, like you said, you might have pegged that as a bad apple, but yeah. that is a bad experience that that you experience at a young age, right? right. High school, formative and, years, and I could see something like that, and in no way was this like a traumatic experience. I'm not trying to say that, but I could see a white person having a similar experience, and then like making a judgment call on every person from that race that did this, you know, thing to them or whatever, and then that tainting your experience. For me, it was just like, okay, that girl was a bad apple or whatever. That girl was, you know, but it didn't make me, you know, and then remember when, um, we haven't talked about this at all, but in our twenties, we worked with kids that lived in Cabrini Green, which is a housing project in Chicago. And we taught them how to use video cameras. And we did this whole film festival. And remember when my wallet got stolen? Yes, it was horrible. I mean, it was, but it was like, again, it was like, you know, I don't, we still don't know who took it and, and why they took it, but the, you know, it was kind of like that thing happened, but I think that it's, it's incidents like that and probably graver. These are not like huge trauma things, but I could see those kind of incidents happening to people and then them making a judgment call about an entire race based on that. Right. But do you remember that? Ex- do you remember the experience, too, that we went through when you talk about, you know, uh, white guilt in yeah. that moment? Here I am with black students mm-hmm. that you and I are donating our time with. And when that wallet was stolen, I felt guilty. I felt like that was one of my little brothers or sisters. Mm. I felt like that was one of my children and I was on the brink of tears. And I not only met with you with the students, I had a whole private conversation with them mm-hmm. about, you know, in life, we all want stuff, but it doesn't give you the right to take something. And I begged the wallet to be returned. Right. And um, I wasn't getting the response that I that I wanted. And I think, I think some of the kids were offended that I was even implying that they would do something like that. Right. And to my knowledge, I don't even think you got the wallet back. Did you? No. I right. Think right. I, right. Yeah. But also what, what happened was I took it very personal because here I am, I'm black, they're black. Uh, I'm a volunteer. My colleague is white meeting you and right. your wallet is stolen. I'm, and I said to the kids, we are better than this. Yeah. We are better yeah. than this. And I said, here's the reality. You, you can't take something just because you want to have, just because you think someone has. That's the first thing. The second thing is, 
in the real world, right? Outside of Cabrini Connections and us volunteering, you're going to jail. You cannot right. steal, you cannot take something from someone else. And then the final thing that I think our listeners need to hear, and it says a little bit about you and a little bit about me and how we both have had to do some growing up. I not only was upset with them, I cried with my then boyfriend at the time, who's my husband, because I was so embarrassed. And I said to you, let's just stop. Let's mm-hmm. not do this. Let's not work with Cabrini uh, uh, Connections. I feel like some of these kids, I can't help them. They're too far gone. And you know what you said to me that I was in shock? You go, we can't give up on them. Oh. We can't do that. And I'm like, and then I feel bad that I was like, I was the one that was going to give up. But I think I was embarrassed. Like we go back, you and I, since we were young children. Right. And here we have an opportunity. It's our first experience where we're volunteering and we're giving back and your wallet is stolen. I took ownership for that. And I mm-hmm. don't know why I just was hurt and I felt embarrassed and I want it better for the children there. And to be honest with you, to this day, we don't even know if it was the children. It could have been the cleaning person. Right, right. We don't know. Right. But the bottom You're line right. is, yes, that probably left another impression on you. That's not fair to black people as a whole, but left an impression on you. You know what I mean? Right, and, and, but to me, it's never those things have never made an impression where I would judge a whole race. But I think that there are people that would. For they me, do. It was like, yes. Yeah, right. Right. Exactly. And so I guess that's what I'm sort of like analyzing that. It's like, why did I have experiences? And, and in no way were these like traumatic experiences, but they were something where some people would have turned that sort of, you know, small incident into a way of judging a whole race. And for whatever reason, I didn't. And. And I think for you, like you just saying that you had had these private conversations with those kids and everything, I think it was like your maternal instincts too kicking in. Because they were like our, you know, they weren't our kids, but they were like, you know, these kids that I think respect. And I think they respected you more than me because you were similar in that you were black. You I came, came from the inner city. You came from I was the from inner Dorchester. City. Yeah. yeah. I was them. They were me. And yes. Yeah. I took it personal big yeah. time. I'm like, yeah. we are better than this. I'm like, right. where's the damn wallet? Like, right. I'm so pissed off, you know? But wait, <laughs> speaking of brave space, right? We <laughs> yeah. said, you said, Gloria, those are small things. Imagine what it feels like to be a black person and have things taken from you all the time. Yeah. Have things, yeah. have you not treated fairly all the time? Mm-hmm. Like, you get a small glimpse of what that feels like. That doesn't make it right or wrong, what I'm saying. I'm not defending. That was awful, those experiences you had. But because we're in this brave space, I say to you, imagine being the other person and having to do this as a constant. It's hard. And that's why, like, I in no way want it to seem like I was, like, so violated with these things, you know, because I'm not trying to convey that. But, yeah, no, I can't imagine that. And you're right. And it's like, we've talked about this multiple times, that it's like, I, you know whatever hardship I think I've had is nothing compared to the, you know, in general, the hardship that a a black working woman would have, you know? So no, I can't relate. I can't appreciate it. I mean, I can think to appreciate it, but I don't want to be like, oh, I totally get it, you know? Cause no, I don't, but you're right. I mean, there's like, so I do get, I do get why in gen- like going back to this original question that it's like in general there is I think the fear is justified for black people to be fearful of white people because we 
white we white people have uh, <laughs> have suppressed black people have been abusive have been mean have been whatever so it, it's totally justifiable but i think we're both saying that it's like you being fearful of white people is justified but it's not necessarily uh aligned with every white person you're i'm sure you've worked with white people that were terrible human beings i'm sure you've worked with white people that were amazing people and continue to be your friends you know so you can't just have one experience and then exactly to a whole race about it you know but people do but that's why some people are like i hate black people I hate whatever. I hate gays. I, gays should not be married. You know, and that's I, so ignorant. It's because, like you said, they've never been around them. Right. They don't know them. They've never met them. And I think white people's fear also comes down to, and you know, it comes down to the fact that they have been the oppressor for so long. So when you said, yeah, that you feel threatened, maybe it's the education, or that it's a job that we may take, or that it's we are finally, you know getting our fair due, mm-hmm. people fear fear that. Instead of saying, you know what, how about this? Guess what? We're finally starting to open things up so that we can be a better America for right. everybody. Like I wish the world would see this. And honestly, it's late at night right, right now and you and I are putting in this work. I mean, I just wanna know what does it feel like too to know that this road that you're traveling, Carrie, I think is is lonely. I don't know that you have a lot of friends that understand why you're doing this. I don't know. Well, I see, I, I, I mean, I live in a city, right? I, my friends are, are progressive, like-minded people. Like I, I actually don't think my, my, you know, group of friends doesn't think what I'm doing is like this anomaly because they want to do this, right? They, my friends are reaching out to me saying like, I wanted to reach out to this friend because of the Breonna Taylor verdict and I didn't, or I did and I'm so glad I did or whatever. Like my friends are, my friends don't understand why there'd be any people who don't think gays should be married. You know, my- I love that. I'd right. Love to so, that. But, but that's kind of like who I associate with. So I don't think that I'm so no one's telling me that I'm doing some amazing thing by trying to talk about race relations because I think we all want to mend this. You know, I mean, it's insane that we're in 2020 and we still have 50% of the country voting for someone who is a hater, right? Right. I mean, and does, does it surprise you, though, if I would tell you, and I've told you this before, there are some Black people saying, yeah, why are y'all talking about it? I know. Ain't nothing going to change. Why are I you know. wasting your time? Right. And I said, because I believe and a better tomorrow. Yep. And I legit believe it. And I know that well, you and I have the power. And I don't know if you realize it, like, I don't care if it's a thousand people, 2000 people. That means somebody took the time to listen to a conversation by everyday people. Right. Moms, right. working moms who believe in a better tomorrow and saying, listen, we're not politicians. Right. We're not like, you know, these big, you know, celebrities. We're everyday people. And we're saying, listen, if we can put in the work, if we can make each other feel uncomfortable and come back another week later and sit down and talk again, we're just opening up conversation and encouraging 
other people because it's not easy. And that brings me to my next thing, the next couple of weeks. I'm excited about you having the opportunity to put on Facebook, hey, white friends, white America, I'm about to ask my black friend a whole (laughs) lot of questions. DM me, let me know what you want to ask. Yeah. Yeah, I th- I I really hope that like on the Facebook page or whatever, if, if you guys have questions, like I, I want to ask my black friend, I want to ask my white friend, hit us up because we are gonna do a couple episodes where we're gonna ask our white friend and our black friend. Some yes, because I'm gonna do the same thing. I'm gonna send yeah. you know messages and and ask. I'm gonna ask some my family. I'm gonna ask some my yeah. friends, and I'm just gonna load it. And we're gonna really that brave space kind of go there. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm guess nervous. what? I'm, <laughs> I know. <laughs> me too. I'm not going to tell you the questions. I don't want you to tell me the questions. Yeah. And guess what? We're going to answer them. Yeah. And, and totally. remember, we're individuals. Like, I'm a black woman. You're a white woman. You're going to say from your perspective, but that doesn't yeah. mean all white people feel that way. Right. It doesn't exactly. mean all black people feel that way. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But um, there are questions that honestly I've joked about as a child, I yeah. joked about as an adult. There are serious ones. Yep. And there are some that I think that you should call me out on it. I'm going to call you out. Hey, that's offensive. Like, right. that's actually not funny. Right, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and if, if I can't ask you, then I can't ask anyone. So. Right, right. <laughs> You've been listening to Hard Candy and Fruit Snacks with my mom, Gloria. And my mom, Carrie. This episode was produced by Frank Belita. Harry Clifford, Gloria Harrison, and an ACL joint production. With the music by Alex Skolnick Trio. Check them out at alexskolnick.com. Tune in next time to hear more from our moms. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.